This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. chapter 11, and we'll be in verses 15 through 19. Mark 11, verses 15 through 19. This is what the word of God says. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests, verse 18, and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, speaking of Jesus, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was this one day, millennia ago, when Jesus went off. One day, millennia ago, when Jesus, he went off. What he did not do is black out as one might claim to have happened in some fit of rage. Being in full control of his faculties, he he did not blow a gasket. Oh, but he did go off. Let me explain. Along with his disciples and followers, Jesus had, had ridden atop a young borrowed donkey into Jerusalem for Passover. Passover being this eight-day festival that commemorates God's people being freed from Egyptian oppression. Specifically, which you can find in Exodus 12, the emphasis is about when God told the Israelite leaders, Moses and Aaron, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods, lowercase, of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Alongside other instructions, as they smeared blood around the door frames of their homes, God kept them safe, the Israelites, the people of God, safe and sound on his way to destroying the Egyptians. He passed over their homes. Passover is a big deal. In fact, it's the biggest deal of big deals with maybe 300,000 to 400,000 people in the mix of Jerusalem. So after 
after a night's stay elsewhere, Jesus returns to Jerusalem to one of the building's foyers called the Temple Courts, discovering to his horror that it has been defiled. Now, you know, ancient gang signs were not sprayed all over, nor had it been ransacked, but, but it was a mess. And Jesus, uh, you done heard it a couple times now, Jesus went off. It, it was as if the chief priests and teachers of the law were selling stolen Gucci bags, knockoff Fendi sunglasses, and defective watches to people who had very little, not to mention doing it somewhere set aside for reverential conduct. Exploiting people in God's name is what they were doing. They were selling their religious merchandise of doves and pigeons and lambs and oxen and wine and salt and oil and the like, and, and they'd established a reprobate concession stand, you could say, of sacrificial accoutrements in the temple courts. Somebody could say, that ain't right. You could, you could try it with me. That ain't right. One more time, that ain't right. It, it was a flea market or a county fair of substantial, unfortunate proportions, a, a circus of corruption, you could say. You, you can imagine, I'm sure, the objectionable aroma and the visual evidence of animal feces and, and urine that filled the arena. You can imagine, I'm, I'm sure, the, the elevated and forceful, diversely accented voices bargaining for the most advantageous deals with Jews being forced to pay a temple tax during Passover, the, the money-changing tables were ridiculously busy. Roman currency had to be converted into that which was acceptable in the house of God, meaning that it, it couldn't be bedazzled in pagan imagery. So if you were manning a table, then I mean you were showing up basically guaranteed to make a killing. On this almost 40-acre site sat one court for Gentiles, one for women, one for Israelites, and one for the priests. Given the, the wicked rigmarole that was going on there, the, the one space that non-Jews could gather in farthest away from the sanctuary was compromised. It was, it was becoming a den of robbers rather than a house of prayer that it was intended to be. You, you already know what happened, don't you? Jesus went off. Gentle Jesus, yes, meek and mild, that same Jesus recounted in verse 15, he, he began driving out those who were buying and selling. And, and not only that, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the, the benches of those who were selling doves. And, and not only that, verse 16 states that he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Now, I'm no Rhodes Scholar, but, but all I can surmise here is that in a manner far from being tame, Jesus gave the people in question the business. Now, I'm, I'm not inferring that, that fisticuffs were involved, but, but minimally, I am saying that he had to have lit the place on fire verbally and, and physically one way or another. I mean, you, you could think about it. Jesus made people leave. Like, they were selling stuff, and then he was like, you got to roll out. 
Jesus made people leave who were making good money. Jesus somehow prevented people from carrying merchandise through the temple courts. And, and even more to the point, Jesus overturned tables and benches, and believe me, these were not from Ikea. These were not of lightweight construction from medium-density fiberboard or, or plywood or some kind of recycled hipster plastic. It would have taken some old-school, grown man strength to flip over these items. Now, did he casually or, or effortlessly overturn everything with just one hand? Or was the incident so tiring, the energy exerted to the point that, that sweat beads formed on his brow? Did, did anyone put up a fuss or, or resistance to his action? We will never know, but we do know enough. And what we do know is that there's no way around it. Jesus went off. This account presents him as 100% human, even as we know him also to be 100% God. In some circles, though, often Jesus is thought to be some clumsy, happy-go-lucky introvert who hopped and skipped through life, perpetually soaked in passivity. He was, these people will say, concerned only with the spiritual dimension of matters. And so he offered contentious instructions like if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, well, hand over your coat as well. Jesus smiled so much to these people that his facial muscles must have hurt all of the time. Jesus was rarely, if ever, exacerbated or irritated to any sizable degree, these people will say, in anger. I mean, Jesus, he ain't know none about anger because he was just so meek and mild and happy. This, of course, is a bogus representation of Scripture. It has developed, though, at least partly to counter the view of Jesus as this muscle-bound, callous, mercenary, like a, a salvific terminator of sorts, who, who with a weapon on the ready ever so smoothly will say, and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know that my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. This is this image that people have of Jesus sometimes. And then too, this interpretation is crooked. It is cheap. It is corrosive. Though feeling the full spectrum of temptations and wants that we do, Jesus always obeyed. But that doesn't mean it was easy peasy, lemon squeezy. When facing an impending death, Jesus Fell, on his, fell to the ground on his face and prayed. He prayed this prayer. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so it was fueled by grace and truth. Jesus sacrificially pressed on. The conquering lion of Judah 
and the Lamb of Heaven slain to safeguard from eternal suffering whoever surrenders to him. This day that, that Jesus went off is noteworthy for several reasons. I don't have the time to explore them all right now, so let me just make one connection. The, the sorry state of the temple courts had turned something beautiful and special, extraordinary even, of high value even, to a cheap piece of trash, of, of sleaze. And the biggest offenders were the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Yes, I would agree, but they, they should have set a superior example in leading the people, yes, but the pilgrims now and, and the Jews now, they were not without blame. As he so often did, Jesus inserted himself into the situation. He inserted himself. He, he was not invited. He was not a consultant hired to improve temple thought and etiquette. On the surface, he had no business doing what he did, interrupting and then dismantling the marketplace. But, but Jesus came on the scene like he owned the place. And, you know, really, he did. And what he owns, everything, mind you, he desires to be governed decently and in order, to be above reproach, to be clean, clean, clean. Jesus is the master teacher, and, and that's why he responds the way that he does with words and deeds addressing what was wrong in such dramatic means. Verse 17 reveals that he taught them. Jesus taught them. If in Christ, the Bible explains that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Christian, I am talking to you. You, you are not your own, the text says. Scripture says you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So what I'm driving at is that cleanliness matters to God. So Christian, who, whoever you may be, regardless of your age, you, you need to know that without warning, Jesus may begin overturning the furniture in your life. Whatever furniture in your life that provides a platform for you to peddle ungodliness, Jesus might come in and, and flip it over because you are God's property. You are God's workmanship. And, and what you have been secured through a blood-financed loan from heaven's credit union is not to, to toy with. What a travesty it would be for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to label you a thief rather than a faithful steward of what he has entrusted you with. Comet, Clorox, Pine Saw, it can't compare to Jesus. Jesus likes things clean. As efficient as they are in their specialty of dirt removal, steel, wool, scouring pads, y'all know what those are? That's kind of old school, okay. Uh, Brillo pads, you know. Steel, wool, scouring pads, uh, Dyson vacuum cleaners, they're really good. Uh, Swiffer, wet jet mops, are, they're all clueless and helpless when it comes to purifying the spirit. Febreze or Lysol or Airwick Freshmatics, 
They, they cannot adequately absorb the rank odor of exploitation that emanates from those who know better. But Jesus, Jesus, who's both the standard bearer and the exclusive decontaminant of the world, Jesus, who death couldn't keep down and, and the grave couldn't hold, Jesus, do y'all know this Jesus I'm talking about? Jesus, who has a controlling interest in your life, he can teach you to be content in abstinent singleness. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? Abstinent singleness, that sounds a little confusing. I'm, I'm glad you asked. Abstinent singleness means that crisscross applesauce, you keep your heart and your hands both to yourself in plain view. And if it is the Lord's will one day, if, conditional statement, if it is the Lord's will one day for you to say, I do, where one man joins one woman in holy matrimony so long as they shall live, well, praise the Lord. But if that's not his will and it's his will for you to be single, then praise the Lord. Jesus can teach you that modesty bespeaks nobility because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus can teach you that amazement isn't the same thing as obedience. Lots of people are amazed, as they were during this episode, by Jesus' teachings. Like, they think, oh, that's super cool. But each day, these same people deny Jesus' desire and authority to free them from the auction block of self-destruction. So whatever it is you do with your body, I mean, how you clothe your body, who you let see your body, I'm going to rewind that. Whatever you do with your body, how you clothe your body, who you let see your body, what you feed this body, how you take care of your body, whatever you do with your body, matter of fact, with your life, moreover, endeavor that it will rightly reflect the God of your salvation, that it, that it isn't an obstacle to others finding God. Y'all could have said amen right there. That was a whole bunch of good stuff. <laughs> Beyond what has been covered this morning, here's another and final climaxing event that humanity needs to prepare for. And, and if you are here and you do not know God, like you're not rocking with Jesus, you're like, that's not my story, then you, you need to pay attention. Like you can put your phone down, just, just stare up here a little bit. I'm, I'm not hard to see. I'm black in these real bright lights. It's, it's all right. A long time ago, Jesus went off. Then Jesus went to the cross. And then eventually Jesus went away to heaven. But Jesus is not on vacation. Jesus is coming back. And on some day, at some time hidden from man in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus will return not to teach. And Jesus will return not to make friends, but Jesus will return to take over and over and over and over. Jesus will be here again to establish his reign. He will judge the living and the dead. He will institute a new heaven and a new earth. And if you've pledged allegiance to Buddha or Brahman or Muhammad or Joseph Smith Jr. or Sung Young Moon or any person or place or anything other than Jesus, it will not end well. The Bible reveals that you will be punished with everlasting destruction and, and shut out 
from the presence of the Lord. Then, at that point, Jesus, having flipped over some tables and, and raised his voice at people in the temple, courts will pale in comparison. Truth be told, his triumphant return is the last time that Jesus will go off. So don't get caught in the temple courts scrambling to justify your rebellion. I need you to know that forgiveness is available today. Did you hear me? Forgiveness is available today. There's only one person who can offer it. It's not me. It's not Trinity Western University. It's Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.